Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning realizing, Lord, our state in our natural self, humbled, broken, Not all that grace-filled. There's a reason we need a Savior. Because we can't do it on our own. Lord, as we read your scripture this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes. That you would open our eyes, Lord, to see the way that you see people. That, Lord, we would open our eyes and realize that we don't have it all together either. That this would be a place to come and find healing, a hospital, not a social club or a place to meet friends, but a place to be healed of the infirmities of our life. Those areas, Lord, where we have been wounded so deeply. They have altered our life to this point. The only thing that will free us is you. May we quiet our hearts and open our ears to hear that this morning. That this is the place we come to find hope. May we be reminded this morning that the hope is in you. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage is out of Joshua chapter 2. And you may remember that last week we we got the message from God to, uh, it's time to get ready kids to move out, right? We're going to cross. Well, Joshua doesn't go willy-nilly without making a plan. And so... Chapter 2 is the first step. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 15. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out two spies from Shittim, looking over the land. He said, especially Jericho. So they went went and entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men sent out in in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. 
Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and she said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shehan and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is the God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear by to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them. That you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what, what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning as we continue to sing. Seated. And the herd may now leave. Dun, 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 dun. See you, Lou. You got to admit that's a good sound <laughs> when you hear him going down the stairs. Dun, 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 dun. I'm just thankful we don't hear a. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh. Someday, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking one of these days it's going to be, <laughs> we'll be here, nah, nah, nah. ah! <laughs> the things that keep us busy, right, Ken? Oh, we think a lot about. Yeah, me too. Can faith change your destiny? Don't answer so quickly, Ken. Can... You're allowed to answer, but I'm, I'm thinking that if you answered that quickly, you didn't think very much about what I said. So I'm calling you out for not thinking. <laughs> it goes both ways. <laughs> I can see how this relationship is going to be good. Believe in things changes everything. That's true. I'm waiting for the week when he springs the squirt gun, right? <laughs> Shoots me and I'm... Can faith change your destiny today? Can faith change your destiny today? That's a little bit harder, right? Because it's easy to say, yeah, well, my faith can change my destiny, but what about today? What about in the next 20, 25 minutes, 20 minutes? We talk about God's word. Can faith change your destiny today? Here's the hardest question. Will you allow faith to change your destiny today? That requires a little bit of feedback, right, on your end. If you're absolutely not going to allow faith or even that idea to change your destiny today, then you can take a nap. You've got 20 minutes. Please don't snore. 
If you're willing to take a chance on this idea that maybe faith will change my destiny today. If you're willing to go there with me just for a little while, keep your eyes open, right? Don't, no snoring. I ask you whether faith can change your destiny because I think we're humans. And as humans, we struggle with that idea. It's a great idea. And when we read it in Scripture, it's really nice. And we read these stories in Scripture and it's like, wow. I wonder what it took to get into that spot, right? What did, and we read these stories and we're like, man, Rahab's life was totally flipped upside down. Her destiny was changed by one act. See, we're really good at stories. You guys like, you guys like stories, right? I like stories. I'm, I'm pretty good at stories. And we love superhero movies and stories, right? Because we quickly, I went and saw this, by the way. I just want you to know I'm, I'm that cool. Uh, I'm that cool that my kids made me go to this. Uh, it's not even a cartoon, it's a comic. If you like comics, it's a pretty cool comic. I hate them, but that's okay. I did take a nap. My wife said, I said, was I snoring? She said, no, but you were breathing pretty hard, so I knew you were sleeping. <laughs> I just want you guys to know that I may have been sleeping for a little bit. I still got the gist of it. <laughs> there were good guys, and there were bad guys. Right? And that's why we like the superhero movies, because we like, there are good guys, and there are bad guys. And we like the good guys, especially when they beat up on the bad guys. This morning's passage has a very similar feel. There are, in this story, the good guys. Right? Joshua says, hey, take, go two spies, go, and search it out. So we're going to say, hey, these are, Joshua seems like a good guy. We're going to put him in the good guy side. Um, mostly because we know what happened last week, right? And we know where God has been leading this whole uh, journey. So we got to put him in the good guy side, at least at the beginning. And then we got two spies, and we got to say that Joshua picked these two spies. So he went through the whole thing. The whole thing. He's like, mm, uh, let's see. I'm going to pick you. I'm picking Daryl, uh, and I'm picking Mike. Right? He's, he's like, okay, I'm going to take these two. And I want you guys to go spy it out. So we got to assume that those guys were good guys too. And then we have the bad guys, the fortified city of Jericho. Those guys are questionable at best, right? They're against, uh, they're in the land where God has given the Israelites. So we have to assume at least a little bit that they're the bad guys. And if, and if you've watched the VeggieTales version of this story, they throw slushies. <laughs> I don't know that that's real scriptural, but I, I do like the part where they're chucking slushies. I think that's pretty fun. Um, I'm not too sure how that goes. And then there's Rahab, right? She's like the other person. And so where do we put her this morning? Would you like to put her in the good guys category, or would you like to put her in the bad guys category? Any, do we have a vote? Would you like to vote? Where do you want to put her? We're going to put her in the good guys? Neil says we're going to put her in the good guys category. Ah, uh, good point. <laughs> we're going to put her in the good girls category. Let's just think for one second, though. We're talking about a prostitute. 
We're talking about someone who lived in Jericho. We're talking about someone who was a Gentile and stood in the way of God's people. Are you still willing to put her in the good guy's pile? Scripture would say there are some people who read uh, prostitute as, or the, 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 uh, the Hebrew would, have, would read innkeeper. And so some people are saying, well, she was just a hospitality management lady, right? Except that when you know and you understand the, the, uh, the history there, you understand that it was probably a brothel. Um, and that, and she, had, she sold herself to make a living to live and subside every single day. You know that little part of the story where she lives in the wall? We think, oh, that's a nice high rise, right? Maybe she's at the penthouse. Maybe she's got this really, she has a pool. Who knows? Not so. If you lived in the wall at that time, guess who was the first person to get killed when the enemy came? A hole in the wall, yeah. And guess what? She would have been the first one to be attacked. She lived in the ghetto, right? If there was a ghetto in Jericho, if it's where the poor people lived and those who would get taken down at the, the very first thing that would happen in this fortified city, that's where she lived. Are you still okay to put her in the good people pile? Well, you guys got faith if you're going to put her over there, right? Or you've read the whole story. <laughs> you know the story. Like, I know, we know the story. But I'm going to ask you this morning, how quickly do we pass judgment on people for their circumstances in life and put them in the bad guy pile? Because it's easy to put her in the good guy pile or the good gal pile when we're reading the nice, pretty story, or when we're watching a Spider-Man movie, when you can tell who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, it's a whole lot harder when we automatically put someone on the bad guy side because of their past, or because something they've done, or something they've said. How quickly do we make those connections? I had someone tell me something this week about a pastor from Greenfield Baptist Church some 50 years ago who made a statement. One line, about three words, and that, that statement has never gone away in her mind. It still affects her today. Powerful to think about how quickly we put people in one spot or another. And yet we have Rahab, who God uses in a pretty powerful way, right? I don't know about you, but it's pretty exciting to see how God uses Rahab in the midst of all this struggle that she has in her life. See, Rahab reminds us that there's true faith, and true faith redeems the past. It redeems the past. Her life wasn't all that good. At its best, it wasn't the best. 
it's probably fair to say that her life was very challenging. Ask yourself this question, what would it take for you to sell yourself to be able to survive? What would it take to get you to that point? Some of us can't even fathom that idea. The reality is that maybe some of us have been to that point in life. Intriguing to me that God would take someone with such a sordid past and make good of something so bad. You know, we don't know much about her past. We don't know what her past was. We don't know what she did before when she was a child or when she was growing up. But all we can do is assume that that's where she was. But somewhere along life's line, in doing her daily work, going to the brothel, going back and forth, she heard about this God who dried up the Red Sea. He dried up the Red Sea. She knew about Og and Sihon. Do you remember last week when we talked about the Reubenites and the Gadites? And they said, hey, we like to stay on the east side because it's really nice property. And we like to put all our cattle there and it's high-end stuff. That's the property that we're talking about here. She heard about that. She knew that God's people had destroyed those kings completely. Gone. She knew that story. She heard the story and she believed. Verse 11 says, When we heard this, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and earth below. But it didn't stop there. She didn't hear the story, her heart melted, and she's like, fortify the city. No, no. Something stirred in her life at that moment. Something was stirred to find faith in that moment of fear. See, she really didn't have a whole lot to give up, did she? She wasn't living the high life. She wasn't living this life full of uh, riches. She wasn't the, king's, uh, the queen. She had nothing to lose. Good chance she probably would have died either way, right? And so she took a chance on God. She took a chance on God. I talked to, uh, I want to share a story with you this morning that was just absolutely super powerful and blew me away. And I, I read it uh, yesterday. Got permission um, from the couple to be able to share it, but they asked that I not share their name uh, which is, is fair and fine. Um, but I want to share this story about a couple who found God's redeeming love in the past couple years. See, this couple uh, you, you started out life with a, in a rough way. Some dysfunction, both sides. Young lady was pregnant at 17. Pregnant, not married, at 17. So she did what most people would do. She got, she got married because that seemed like the right thing to do. But there was dysfunction in that. And by the time she was 19, she was divorced. Divorced, moved eight times in five months, 
She said, I was all but homeless. So close to homeless that the courts weren't going to give her her kids. She now is 19, gets into another relationship that's somewhat dysfunctional or a lot dysfunctional, and becomes pregnant again at 19. Her boyfriend at the time is a raging alcoholic. So much so that he can't function. She said, I could tell you probably that I cleaned up barf a hundred times. It's kind of gross to think about. But he would drink all day, not go to work, and be sick all night. I went and saw this young man in the ICU of St. Vincent, and they told him, listen, if you don't stop, you are going to die. It's just that simple. Your liver isn't going to function anymore. He was pretty close to the edge. And she said, I got to this point where I knew that I was going to lose all my kids. I didn't want to lose my new relationship. I'm pregnant. What do I do? I'm on my own. I'm stuck in this pickle. I'm stuck in the middle of this mess, and I don't even know where to turn. Nothing has worked. I'm trying to lean on my boyfriend because that's the only thing I know that will keep me homeless or from being homeless. And yet I realize that that's not working, so I'm cleaning up after him, and there's a mess, and it's chaos. And yet I don't know where to turn. So I asked her, I said, and she goes on, and she, shares, she's been, she shared her testimony on Facebook of where God has brought them out of. But I said, I asked her, so what was it that moment in life where you realized that God actually was going to show up? That God was going to change your destiny? She said, I remember the moment, a moment in my life when I realized that God was not joking around and that he would take me out of this life if I would cling to him. And cling to only him. I had to give up all the pieces that I worried about. I had to give up what was going to happen to my kids. I had to give up this new boyfriend relationship and realize that Jesus was bigger than all of those things. And she said it was at that moment that he showed up. And boy, did he show up. He said, you know what? She said, I got up that morning, same old, same old. I got up. And there's throw up there, just like it has been every other day. And she said, I told myself, I'm not going to clean it up today. She said, I started to save money. Because I had a plan. I was going to get out of this relationship. I was going to save enough of my money to get out of this relationship and start all over on my own. And my boyfriend says, I'm going to quit. And she said, I've heard that a hundred times. And she said to him, listen, I almost got enough money, so go ahead. You got a couple weeks to try. When I get enough money, I'm gone. And God showed up. And this young man quit drinking that day. He quit drinking that day, and Jesus showed up. Now, I can tell you that, oh, their life is all roses and happy, and it's still a work in progress, right? As is all, all of ours. But it reminds me that our past does not dictate where we're going to go from this day forward. 
So many people are hung up on the things that have been their pasts. And they wouldn't say it because it'd be not right to say in church, right? And we don't want to say anything that's not right in church. But we don't want to say that God can't redeem that. And yet we live our life like God can't redeem it. We live our life in the same hole we've lived in for the last five years, or 10 years, or 15 years, or 20. You can just keep on going. Because somewhere inside of us, we're afraid to cling to God and let go of the past. Wouldn't it be nice if I gave you a coupon on your way out? That's what redeem means. That's what redeem means. It means to take this and trade it for that. I'm going to take Jesus and I'm going to trade him for all the garbage in my past. I'm not going to take Jesus and my garbage. I'm going to trade it. Faith in God redeems your past, people. It redeems mine. I was just talking this morning. I said, my parents are here. If you want to hear some stories about me, just ask them. They'll tell you. They probably got some really good ones. <laughs> Faith in God redeems your past. We need to keep moving. Otherwise, we're never going to get done. Rahab also reminds us that faith is bigger than our current situation. Do you realize that she was this Gentile from Jericho? She owns a business. She had every excuse in the world to not do what she did. But she knew in her heart of hearts that this God was the God of heaven and earth. And something stirred within her. I want to ask you a question this morning. And there should be an or instead of an and, but I thought I'd leave it there just to talk about it. But. So would you rather have faith or would you rather have favor? And I want to challenge you to think about that this morning because I think we come to church sometimes and we live in this nice little box where it's all family and cozy and warm and it's friendly and it's, I love it, right? I want to come here because it's good. I like to come here and see all my friends. I want to say good morning I want to catch up. But are you coming here for faith? It's easy to find favor in a place like this because we know everyone. And we, the people we know, it's good. It's not, it's not inherently bad. But we find favor and we never find the faith that God would have us to find. If you're a track and field person, you'll may get this illustration. The one on the right is a, uh, is a high jumper, right? And I don't know if you know how high a high jumper can jump, maybe six to eight feet maybe. That's, that seems like super high, but I think people can do it. The one on the left is a pole vaulter. Do you know how far a pole vaulter can go? Like 17, 18, I mean, it's insanely higher. And this illustration reminds me that you can do some things in your life on your own, right? But you're only going to get the six or eight feet. 
If you don't have Jesus, you're not going to get to the height that you can. I want to ask you that question. Is your faith your own? I'm sure as a child that I struggled some because I had good parents and I had good grandparents and my grandma's faith was super big, right? And I can remember that. It's still, it's still a part of who I am today. Grandma's faith was huge. And I probably was challenged as a child for a long time to try to make faith my own. You may know the story in Luke chapter 7. Another prostitute. Coincidence? Probably not. Jesus is eating with uh, tax collectors and this woman comes and finds him. She looks for him. She seeks him out. She comes there and the Pharisees say, obviously this guy is not a prophet because if he was a prophet, he didn't know what she, where she was. He didn't know what her background was, what she'd just been doing. This Jesus guy, he would have known. He would have known about her. See, she came and she found this Jesus. She came to find him to know who he was. Her current situation, not good. But she came and it says that she wept and she washed his feet with her hair. And the tears that she cried as she came to his feet. I'm thinking we're not talking about an alligator tear, right? And I'm thinking we're not talking about what took 10 seconds to happen. I'm thinking this was a broken woman who came to the feet of Jesus looking to be healed. Looking to be changed to find that faith. And that in itself is big. But you know what she did? She took her whole life, her whole inheritance. She had a jar of perfume. They say it probably would have been what a year's salary might be. Good chance it was her inheritance in life. All she owned. And she poured that perfume on his feet. I have to ask myself, and I'll ask you the same. Would I be willing to go there? Because my current situation is pretty good. Would I be willing to go there? Are you willing to allow God to change your destiny today? See, there's a really cool end to this story. The really cool end of Rahab's story. Her whole life was changed at that moment. You know the story, right? She says, listen, I'll let down this cord. I'll let you there, my life for your life. I'll let you out. I won't tell them where you're at if you protect my family. That would have been cool, right? That would have been cool enough for a story in the Bible. But God doesn't just stop there. That would be too easy. See, it, it talks about it. She's in, the, uh, she's in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. 
Her faith was that big. It altered her life. And even more importantly, she was in the lineage of Jesus. Think about that for just one moment. Gentile, Gentile woman. In the lineage of Jesus. She would tell you that Jesus changed my destiny. I'm really disappointed in my ability to to make a video work this morning because that video was super great. But none of you have seen it. I don't know what happened. The words are good in that song, but but the video shows little red strands of string in the whole video. And they're all tangled up in a bunch of different places, and it goes away many different ways. But in this video, there's a lost woman who finds this cord, and she picks up the cord and she begins to follow it back. The very same thing happens in Scripture. There's a red cord that runs through Scripture, it's called the blood of Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with that Jesus, you've missed it. Or Rahab found that Jesus. She found that red cord. Do you think that scarlet cord in Scripture was just by coincidence? Absolutely not. It reminds us of the blood that was shed on that cross for each of us. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus... Your destiny is hell. That's what Scripture says. I'm not making it up. I'm telling you what it says. Separation from God eternally. That's what it says. You're either connected to that cord or you're not. The good part is you can start that relationship today. You can change your destiny today. Remember when I asked you at the beginning? Do you think your destiny can be changed today? It can be. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can start that relationship today. It gets rid of the the struggles of the past, right? We're able to see where God can redeem those. We're able to look at our current situation and understand that God's still working. And most importantly, it changes the direction of our life. Let's pray. Lord God, I do pray this morning for anyone who hasn't met you yet, who hasn't allowed you to make a change in their life. Lord, I think about the couple who came to the point, they knew, Lord, they had heard your message a million times. They grew up in a Christian family. They understood what that meant, but until the moment where they decided to cling to you, and nothing else. It was at that moment, Lord, that you showed up. And you reminded them that you were no joke. You weren't just some crazy idea. You were a real living God who loves us. So, Lord, I pray for anyone who is hurting this morning, who is hurting so badly they can barely keep it together. They need your love. They need your forgiveness and your care.
Lord, I pray that you would challenge them to come to this altar and lay it there. That, Lord, they might, when they leave this place, be different than when they came. And, Lord, the angels in heaven will be cheering for another soul who came to you. In your name we pray. Amen.